Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Professional Services Pursuit, a podcast featuring expert advice and insights on the professional services industry. I'm Brent Trimble, and today's episode is a recording from session one of our four-part LinkedIn Live series that Banu and I are hosting. The goal of the series is to help navigate the path forward and uncover some great insights on how you can future-proof your professional services business, especially during these somewhat challenging economic times. In this first session, we take a look at ways to optimize your business during challenging economic times. This series will feature some great guests and allows for some interaction and questions from the live audience, so we hope you enjoy it. I'll introduce myself. I'm Brent Trimble. My co-host for the series is my esteemed colleague, Banu Debuti. We are both uh, vice presidents in our advisory service practice here at, at Cantata. So we get to see a lot of our clients both in their formative pre-sales journey all the way through existing clients who've been with us for a certain fairly good length of time and listen to their um, challenges, their opportunities, both now and in the future. So we're really entrenched in the business challenges that um, professional services business face on a daily basis. We're excited to host this series together. We have some great interactive discussions planned, and we hope that you join us. So, um, Bono, it would be great for you to give an intro as well. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Great. I'm really excited for this series and for the opportunity to engage with our audience. I have to admit, it's my first LinkedIn Live, and I am a little bit nervous. So, looking forward to your questions. Let's make it interactive. We'd love to... Uh, hear your questions as well and respond to those. One of the things we wanted to do across this series is surface some of the looking predictions and findings you all may have seen coming from leading analyst firms and bring on our domain experts from Kentata to really help apply professional services lens to those predictions and then ask them what specifically to do and what to deal with the trends and stay ahead of them be able to target professional services and make sure that our experts can respond to what are some of the key challenges that they're facing and how to respond to those. Joining us today is Cantata's brand evangelist, Charles Gustin, who we've brought on to explore a topic that is top of mind for, I'm sure, a lot of the audience, how to optimize your business during uncertain economic times. Charles is going to moderate today's session He's been very attuned to the predictions and research that have been coming in with the turn of the year and is going to ask Brent and I questions today that we'll answer. And as I said, please have your questions coming in as well. Charles, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much, Banu. I am also really excited to be here today. Also nervous, first LinkedIn Live, but I'm really excited to prompt some great discussion. I think let's dive right in. I want to start with a sort of prelude question so that we can define what we mean by uncertain economic times. And part of that is acknowledging that no one is actually certain what lies ahead. But the fact is, and I think the research backs this up, people are already changing their behaviors and their plans 
based on a really high degree of confidence that there is turbulence ahead, even if it's hard to define exactly what we're in right now. I was looking at some research from PwC, very recent, that showed that 81% of executives believe a recession is imminent, and 47% say they are already making changes to strategic planning based on current business decisions. They're seeing that belief materialize in their customers, in their peers, and they're already changing their behavior because of that belief. So Brent, I'll start with you. In your experience, what are some of the typical reactions you see when this belief becomes pervasive? And what are some of the impacts of those reactions that business leaders tend to have? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think in our context, we get to really understand clients and business in two aspects, two facets. One is their contemplation, their evaluation, and their journey of process and maturity, which culminates with a potential purchase of enterprise software, which we provide. Conversely, we get to really get to know them, the business that they're in, the pressures on that business. So in those aspects, what we're hearing is in the journey side of organizational maturity, Many firms have really experienced a lot of tumult over the past 24, 36 months anyway, of course, with the global pandemic. So there's much more deliberation. There's probably a bit more rigor and thinking, validation, certainly return on investment sort of contemplation in the software journey side. On their business, they understand that certainly there's going to be a lot of fighting, scraping through, maybe some bumpy times ahead this year. But I think the experience of sort of the past three years from the leaders we've talked to, there's certainly no panic. I think it's more of a resignation and acknowledgement that there is uncertainty. Uncertainty has become the norm and they're really soldiering through it. I'd say those are kind of the two trends and those two facets of how we're talking to leaders and understanding how they're approaching the year ahead. I was listening to actually an interview with Dan Shapiro, the CEO of LinkedIn on Business Week, and he was speaking about two types of leadership, right? The reactive leadership and adaptive leadership, and was inviting leaders to be more of an adaptive leader in these uncertain and chaotic periods that we've had over the last three years that will not end, right? And his point was, it's critical not to, as you said, Brent, to be very intentional and not respond to all that's out there because there is a lot out there. He basically prescribed three steps. And the first step was make sure you have all the information that you need and have have the information validated so that you make sure that you have all the accurate inputs that you need to make the right decisions, right? Therefore, once you have all the information, you've validated it, you then have the opportunity. And the next key step is to synthesize that information so that then you can decide what are the actions you're going to take. And when you determine those actions, be very bold in taking those actions, but also communicate. And that's the third step. I thought it was it was very on point and excellent point is make sure that the teams, the colleagues, everyone over communicate, help them understand the analysis and the thought process that's gone into the actions and the strategy changes that you're making uh, and why you're making them and how it's going to benefit the business and them in the long term. 
So I thought that was very on point. Yeah, and I think that ties in really well to our next question, which is going to touch on the importance of forecasting and really detailed planning. Because I think that when you don't have those things, it's really easy to be overreactive to the headlines and almost go into like a turtle shell behavior of like, well, we don't know what's coming. It seems like something bad is coming. And so your business can't help but retract into the turtle shell and make almost like non-decisions and behave safely in the most cautious way possible rather than forging ahead confidently because you don't know what's around the corner, whereas businesses that know what's around the corner sort of know what they need to do to navigate the shifting wins that come. So the next prediction that I really wanted us to react to that I'm referring to comes from Tech Market View. And they say that as the global economic downturn bites, businesses are going to face cost pressures. Like we know that that's one of the big things that comes is that you face those cost pressures and you fight to really preserve your margins as you expect maybe less new customer acquisition. And that's going to make it really more important to streamline your back office processes like cash collection. And it's going to increase the pressure from your shareholders for more detailed revenue and cost planning with an emphasis on better demand forecasting, like I referred to, and this notion of like contract life cycle management. So Banu, what are some of the biggest challenges you are seeing professional services firms grapple with in those areas that I mentioned right now? The tech market beginnings are not a surprise, I don't think, to any of us, right? Obviously, cost pressures, handling cost pressures, having much better control over your your margins is critical. And I would say the number one challenge we see out there is the transparency. Having transparency into your business down at the detail that you need to take actionable action, the correct action, right? So a lack of transparency is, in my mind, is the number one challenge we hear as we interact with prospects and clients and all the material that we go through. And that comes from not only the fact that they have processes, they have disparate processes and technology, right? So to really get a perspective at the right time, timely, so that they can be proactive versus reactive is not always accessible or possible. And then the second one of the challenges in the professional services specifically is resource management, right? How do we continue to predict demand and make sure that our capacity line to be able to meet that demand. And I just want to do a shout out to a recent Cantata sponsored survey that RMI did specifically around resource forecasting for this reason. And in that survey, they highlighted that half of the businesses cannot accurately forecast resource needs beyond two months. Best practices for RMI is six months. We actually did a podcast, Professional Services Pursuit with Mark Lacroix on this topic. And I invite the audience to actually listen to that. So having the tools and the process to be able to know where your demand is and how your capacity can fulfill that, the ability to be able to understand where you have skill gaps and where you may need to fill those skill gaps most cost effectively, right? Is that within internally cross-training, et cetera, is also a challenge for a lot of clients. Lack of focus, I would say, is the last point that I wanted to bring up. Generally, I think part of the challenge is that companies sometimes are very reactive. Again, when you're responding to chaos, sometimes because of change, you're going many different directions. Whereas 
if there is focus and the focus in prioritization is around customer needs and understanding those customer needs and being able to respond to those customer needs. And then right along and as equally important, understanding your colleagues and your how you can position your colleagues to respond to those customer needs, but also to continue to develop their own careers and be content and happy with the job they have, I think are two very critical focus areas. And I don't think there's always a challenge staying focused on what's important. Those are really all good points. I think the one quote I I think our CEO brings up is this notion of you can't cut your way to growth, right? Or something along those lines. And that while they're certainly having that rigor and measurement and insight into the business, it's still a time to really potentially utilize some of these elements we've talked about. If you don't have transparency, for instance, beyond two months, obtain that and use these opportunities not to sort of wallow in any kind of disarray or lack of transparency, but use this as an opportunity to really move forward. And And it's evident that in a time of uncertainty, you need that illumination the most. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the one thing I'd add to that is like, segue into our next question is like the flip side of that, or honestly, the twin of that is the whole impulse, the whole imperative is make the most out of every ounce of work you're doing, right? If you're doing work and you're facing cost and margin pressures, any thing in a process that makes you leak that revenue needs to be sussed out and closed. The whole point is you need that revenue, that money to come in, maybe more than ever as the global economic downturn bites. And I think the same is true as we transition to our next question of making the most out of every ounce of your existing customer base in your existing employee base, right? It becomes that much more important to really rely on what you have if you expect maybe new things not to come in. So obviously, in a tough economic climate, there is an increased pressure on organizations to optimize existing customer and employee bases with a major focus on retention and on lifetime value. So Tech Market View also predicts that this imperative is going to drive demand for increased levels of certainty that observability data can provide. And that essentially means having observable data about the experience to analyze that gives you the ability to A, pinpoint causes of problems that could impact retention and experience outcomes that otherwise might go unnoticed, and B, to increase the productivity and efficiency of teams by eliminating the observed complexity that is getting in their way. So Brent, In your role in advisory, I know you're spending a lot of time helping businesses out there in the market with this. When you're thinking about how to optimize experience and lifetime value for both customers and for your workforce, the lifeblood of a services organization, what are some of the levers you think business leaders should be reaching for in order to change things? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. We, uh, you know, of course, are a vertical SaaS platform focused on the services business, services industry. And with that, there's sort of a bifurcation. We have professional services that are more embedded with software companies. And then I think more your pure service providers, advisory, consulting, BPO, and so forth. So the answer might differ a little bit for either context, but the theme is the same. One of the things that's interesting when we talk to clients in both of those sets of customers and potential partners that they often come not so much in their journey of maturation to really understand what's out there in terms of automation and process. It's really around illumination and measurement of how is the business doing. And we have been counseling and really 
digging in with certain clients on going beyond kind of those base metrics, then we understand are important. Billable utilization is critical for both a management consultancy or an embedded service organization. But really, what are the things that are the friction points in the business that would prevent you from coupling closer with clients, with deploying the right level of talent at the right time that's still affordable and brings you margin, or being able to react or transform or engage a client, a new opportunity, pitch and win a new logo. And it usually comes down to things around supply of talent matched to demand. So we look at things like, how long does it take for you, for instance, to cast a team? And what would a metric to improve look like? And let's come up with a time to staff metric that's right for your business, whether you're internal service or you're external. And this notion that you really only improve what you do measure and what you set out and say, now, of course, with an automation platform, there's an array of data points available and you can suddenly be awash in data points, but let's come up with five or six. Maybe it's time to staff, maybe it's gross margin on predicted engagements, whether that's with an existing client or whether that's a net new logo. Looking at matching pipeline and supply and to demand saying, you know, are our systems connected so that we can see from existing clients as well as new, what the demands on our talent are going to be. To your point, I think we have a question from one of our guests of how would a platform like ours be able to illuminate that transparency? Bono made a, made a point to call out our SPI research, and they have a great term around firms that are going through their maturation journey called heroic maturity. So a firm that can really only see 30 days to 60 days out is probably executing fine. They're getting work out the door for their clients. They organically understand who they've got in terms of talent, but they don't have processes, technology in place to really help enable beyond that. So an easy answer, a simplified answer would be simply, if you're using a CRM or a platform that's connecting conversations that are nurturing and you've got a decent amount of rigor, it doesn't have to be forensic level of rigor, around your new business process with your consultancy or software company, making a connection from demand of here's what our current clients want. Here's where net new logos might come in. Translating that to talent. Who is available? Are they the right fit? And then if we have gaps, who are we going to need? I mean, that's just this like a simple distillation of hooking up platforms, but also overlaying that with process around some new business rigor and then automation. We're working with a client right now. They're heavy in the mobile application development and connected things, Internet of Things type devices. And they have a really, for a services company, an extremely rigorous new business process. Very built out Salesforce environment and really, really good rigor at sales sales process. What they lacked in the back end was connecting that data to really be able to cast their team. So we're helping bring those together. But I think those notions really break down those levers that are right for your business. You can never get too close to existing clients, but really relentlessly measure, challenge those expectations, 
and measure, 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 whether it's an interaction with existing clients and there's some kind of automation that, you know, is tied to CSAT all the way through net new logo acquisition and ensuring that you're measuring probability all the way through. Yeah. The only thing I wanted to add again, Jamie, thank you for your question. I just wanted to add to what Brent said and just being a little bit more specific on how Kintata thinks about and solves for this is that, you know, again, starting from a pipeline stage, we have resources that are role-based generic resources that get assigned to these pipe items that are foreign off so that you know when they're getting closed, you know the types of roles that are needed, and therefore it allows you to forecast based on that close date. But also you have your backlog. So there's full visibility, again, coming back to the point of transparency, it enables full transparency, not only of what's may be coming, but also the backlog that's there based on the skill sets that you have available and those that shown where you use generic resources that allows you to forecast as long in to that backlog and as needed. The other part that I wanted to bring up is not just the resource forecast. Again, going back to some of the other points we made around transparency, being able to know where your margins are at, because everything is focused on your resources, your skill set, and allocation of those resources appropriately. You can also forecast for things like margin, your utilization. So not only are you looking at utilization after it has happened, you're actually forecasting what utilization looks like based on the resource allocations you've done. You're forecasting what your estimated complete is when you've done that. So these are some of the transparency that with the right process will sort of make sure that you've streamlined your business. Yeah, I think Jamie's question, and thank you for asking that, and great answers, Brent and Banu, kind of positions us nicely to transition into our final question, which gets at that notion that like, look, this sort of optimization, this sort of process rejiggering is just not possible in spreadsheets. <laughs> You're not going to be able to run your business in spreadsheets or 17 different point solutions or solutions that have really become so outmoded that they're truly legacy. And I think most businesses that hadn't already gotten up that curve had to get up that curve during the pandemic, right? Every business sort of had to take a step back and go, whoa, if we don't have the technology to help us understand what's coming and act on it, we're really screwed. And so one of the things that we're seeing from some of the research that's coming in is that despite the negative signals about the economy, we're seeing data from from like Infotech that shows that most IT professionals actually expect that their budgets are going to increase in 2023. In fact, 55% of the respondents in that study anticipate a bigger budget next year than they had last year, even though the economy is certainly maybe in a much more unstable place. 28% expect an increase between 6 to 15%. Another 8% expect an increase between 16 to 30%. So Banu, what is your take on that data that shows that the majority of businesses are actually being proactive about an economic downturn by aligning their IT spending with business priorities when I think most people would instinctually say, all right, we have to cut budgets. And it doesn't seem like that's what a lot of businesses are doing. Going back to sort of a brought up by Michael Spranza, our CEO, and I think the saying goes, you can't save your way to growth. That's absolutely truth, right? And it's interesting, right? We're in probably the second downturn in the 2000s, uh, 2008 being the first recession. And I think there was a belief that 
technology investments, things that had been planned, were some of the first things to get put a hold on. It wasn't seen as critical back in 2008. But we've progressed to a point where digital transformation is, right? I mean, everyone is needs information, needs it fast, and it's impossible to get to where you need to be to optimize your business without the technology. So this time around, it's very different. And I think that's weighing into some of the statistics we're seeing in terms of businesses. And IT understands that technology is critical to get to some of the streamlining, some of the rationalization that's necessary. And I just want to call out that technology clearly is not the only thing that's needed. I mean, we, we all hear people process technology, but also governance is critical, right? In these sort of business situations, I think it's critical to make sure that in your process, you've end using technology to enable some of the governance steps, such as making sure that you're doing reviews in timely manner and have the process to be able to escalate and react and respond and get input, that's just as critical. The other thing I would to point out is that it's very important to keep it simple. We engage with a lot of prospects and they have a lot that they need to solve, a lot of problems, a lot of opportunity. We show them the capabilities that Kintata has to offer and they get very excited. And the interest is to get it all in place all at once. And generally our, our approach and what we recommend for any kind of automation is Make sure you take small steps, understand, adapt your processes, make sure you have the adoption for some of the base capabilities, because that's already going to move you ahead in your maturity and mature capability as you mature. The process is critical to keep it simple. Don't over-engineer, get the adoption, continue to grow with the capability that, that you have. The survey that Charles noted from InfoTech, we've seen data from there and other analysts saying that IT spending, while it may not boom, will continue to grow. Digital transformation, which is a very broad term, but it's everything from upgrade of existing systems to really improving a customer experience in a B2C company all the way through digitizing individual employee experiences. And look at the massive investments in remote work and tablets and infrastructure there. That can't suddenly be turned off. And broadly, you know, if you look at like Gartner or HBJ, anyone who measures these indices, the trend was accelerated really by necessity in the pandemic years. And the investment in digitization broadly is not going to change. How that translates to a platform like us and why we still see pretty significant growth, though more deliberate from our services clients, is simply to the point of really around talent. IT services continues to really grow because the talent in the labor market in that segment's really tight. So conversely, those consultancies still see pretty good growth. And they need to digitize. So to a platform or automation around resource, resource management, project collaboration, tying the sales journey in, into the platform such as ours continues. So all those, I think, are borne out. I think they can be corroborated with lots of studies. But it's really a trend that's been going on 
couple of decades and now really accelerating. And I think on the past 36 months, a lot of firms are just caught unprepared and really accelerated. And they're like, you know, listen, if we're going to have a few bumps in the road in some uncertain years, we're not going to turn off that spigot completely. So before we sign off, I wanted to check in with you guys. Any final advice that either of you would give that we think is critical to address during these types of economic downturns? As far as advice, I mean, really, leadership style and adaptation is really, really unique to each business. I'd say broadly that there are elements of social contagion that are driven by doom and gloom news cycles. And this has been really studied and and you can go to HBR. Stanford has a professor named in the graduate school, Jeffrey Frenner, who has studied this and saying like this notion of highly publicized layoffs starts this cycle of chatter and even contagion. Like, well, if XYZ brand did it, then we have to do it too. And the data shows that even, you know, we're looking at the fang companies, you know, Facebook, Amazon, Microsoft, Google, highly publicized riffs, certainly they were really kind of returning just to some equilibrium around pandemic level employment. So there's always uncertainty in the global markets. There's always some, and it's not to diminish the level, um, certainly a global pandemic, terrible land war in Europe, but there's always some turbulence. And to grow, I think, you know, in my times leading different services organizations, always to grow boldly and with purpose, but with a healthy dose of paranoia as well. Say, you know, you can't just rush headlong into the fray, validate, make sound investment decisions, build adjacent practices, don't invest net new in one on a wing and a prayer and a promise and a handshake from a client. Have that as service companies, we're always sort of those sharks that have to keep on swimming in the for the revenue train, but with sober, equal kind of calm diligence that, you know, this too shall pass. And there's plenty of data that supports that. I mean, Goldman came out two weeks ago and lowered their recession forecast and from, you know, a fairly rosy 35% down to a downright bullish 25%. So the highs aren't going to be that high. The lows are usually not that low. And, and somewhere it uh, would resolve itself in the middle. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there's a lot of material that's coming up that's saying that's predicting maybe there will be soft landing, right? So to add to what she said, Brent, I would say, again, going to what Dan Shapiro's interview, communication. Make sure that as you go through the process and synthesize it, that you are communicating to your base, your, to your talent, so that they, they understand the process that's going on. They're not, because they are also hearing this impacted by it. So make sure that they understand leadership is looking at this, processing it, taking all the information inputs to make the right decisions and the basis for those decisions. I think that's critical to keep the colleagues engaged and the anxiety away. So then what's important, which is our clients, right? The other thing is do an assessment of how healthy the transparency to your business is. Make sure that you know whether you have the right information, what is the right information that you need access to, and whether you have that at your disposal to be able to make that information. If you don't, close that gap very quickly. Because if you don't have the transparency, there's not much else that matters really, because you don't know that you're taking the right actions. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for letting me bounce these questions off to you guys. This was great. It's been great. And we appreciate 
the audience participation and some engagement. We've got another session two in the series coming up. It'll take place on March 9th at 9 Pacific, noon Eastern. In that session, we'll be talking to our chief people officer, Gina Hartigan, around prioritizing the employee experience in a more volatile labor market. So I, I think it'll be a great conversation. I encourage if you found some nuggets of insight in this session, some links to some cool research, expect more of the same as we go on this journey. So March 9th at 9 Pacific, noon Eastern. And I have to add, I'm more practiced now. It's going to be my second LinkedIn live <laughs> session. <laughs> we expect better performance. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. If you enjoyed this podcast, let us know by giving the show a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform and leaving a comment. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, you can do so anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And to learn more about the power of Cantata's purpose-built technology, go to cantata.com. Thanks again for listening.